born in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Hello everyone and welcome. This is Karen Schoen and you are listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. For the last several weeks, I have been putting in my newsletter something that's going on in the state of Florida that I wanted to share with everyone, because it's important that you look at your state and make sure that in your state, this is not happening. Sometimes when things happen in the bigger states like California or Florida, they get copied throughout the rest of the country. And this is something we do not want to happen. Well, at least I don't. Um, because I feel, well, let me go over it and you can say how you feel. The Speaker of the House, Paul Renner, wrote to the Chief Justice of the Florida Supreme Court to consider consolidating Florida judicial systems. And what that means is, I believe, is a very bad idea because the judicial districts will then be much larger than they are right now. And when a judicial district becomes larger, that puts a heavier caseload on all of the people who are trying to protect us against the criminals. So if they now take a smaller district like the one I live in and combine it with Pensacola or Tallahassee, what do we think will happen to the smaller districts? Well, I believe that will put so much pressure on the smaller districts because they will now have to pay attention to the larger districts and our lesser crimes will then go unnoticed. And the minute that happens, I believe that we will have more crime. But that's only my opinion. And uh, as a result of that, I have asked Laro Diaz, who has been in law enforcement for, I think he said, 27 years, God bless you, former military, and is now running for sheriff in the great county of Palm Beach. Um, Laro, I am very concerned about this going forward, and I wanted your opinion. Am I on the right track or the wrong track? What do you think? Well, first of all, good morning, Karen. I appreciate this wonderful opportunity. Uh, good morning to all your listeners. Um, no, you're not. I don't, I don't believe you're on the wrong track. I believe it's something that has to be. Uh, it requires a hard look into it. Uh, being that I that I grew up in a uh, major uh, populated county, which is Palm Beach County, which is almost 1.5 million people, and is uh, our district court is District 15. Um, it requires a lot of attention all the time. We have a lot of assistant state attorneys. Uh, we have a humongous caseload, um, and I like the fact that we're decentralized. So basically what you're talking about or what the Tallahassee legislative branch is talking about is possibly consolidating our districts into one and then running out of one central place. Uh, I agree with you. I think a lot can get lost. I think a lot of uh, potential will be lost to smaller areas, and they'll 
concentrate more on the heavier caseloads. Uh, this possibly taking resources away from uh, smaller counties with lesser crimes. Uh, therefore, not really paying attention to the trends of crime and what's going on for prosecution purposes. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm on the right track on something. This is really very important to me. Uh, and I understand what you're saying because our district is only about, I think, three, four hundred thousand people. So that gives our sheriffs and our law enforcement officers the ability to actually go after smaller crimes. And I believe in the broken window idea that if a smaller crime is caught in the beginning, we probably will not be facing a bigger crime from the same person who we all know that if you ignore the smaller crimes, it just escalates into bigger crimes. So how is what is going on in Palm Beach County with the crime? Uh, is there a major crime uh or, or is it under control? You're running for sheriff's office. What prompted you to do that? Well, I'm a, I'm a resident of Palm Beach County. I've lived in Palm Beach County for over 50 years. Uh, I've worked for the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office for almost 28 years, and I have 37 and a half years in law enforcement total. So um, I, I know Palm Beach County very well. I know the crime trends very well. Um, I am concerned that uh, we're not enforcing traffic laws the way we should. We're not enforcing narcotics laws the way we should. We're not really paying attention to our gang violence. Uh, lack of transparency, lack of accountability, uh, lack of transparency with our budget. It's almost a billion dollar budget. We have a 20 year incumbent uh, who has become extremely reckless with the budget, who's for all practical purposes not existed in the county he's already ever seen. Um, so it, it's time to, to really get a hold of it. So your question was, what is the crime situation of Palm Beach Crime is there as well. I'll put it in perspective for you. If you drive down Palm Beach County now, uh, you'll see signs, electronic signs that says, please remove all your valuables from your vehicle, lock your cars, lock your doors, lock your homes. So that tells me right there, and that's actually being offered by the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. That's telling me that the crime is, is much higher than what they're letting people uh, to believe, or the sheriff is letting people to believe in the county. So it's an oxymoron, right? So you're saying the crime is not an issue, but you're putting signs out there to be aware of crime. Uh, the fact of the matter, ladies and gentlemen, crime is extremely high in Palm Beach County. has been for a long, long time. Uh, and it's time to get a sheriff in there that believes in law and order and puts uh, citizens before politics. And that is my slogan. Uh, I'm a law and order type person. I don't believe in politics. I believe in citizens first. Um, and I call it as I see it. I, I truly call it as I see it. So, when your, your question on this, the narcotics unit used to be 180 men and women. That's the Organized Crime Bureau unit for the sheriff's office. It's now down to less than 75. So that, that speaks volumes right there. Oh, my goodness. That's not good at all. Are you seeing an increase in crime in the last couple of years due to the immigration, uh, non-immigration system that we have in America today? I, crime has gone up steadily every single year. And to answer your question, yes. But crime has gone up not so much or not only because of that. But crime goes up, and the reason we don't report it is because we play games with the numbers. Uh, I'll give you an example. If there's a drive-by shooting, right, and no one's hit, there's damage to a window at a business or a home, uh, some law enforcement agents are reporting as damage to private property. That's not the case. That's an actual drive-by shooting. But they're, they're, they're doing this to mislead the public of what's actually truly going on. And you can do the same thing with burglaries and with robberies, what determines a robbery, what determines a burglary. And you can play games again lack of transparency and honesty with the public. Um, 
need to get more men and women in uniform at the front line. That's our backbone of law enforcement. Um, and we are stripping away our, our front line law enforcement personnel. We're putting them in specialized units so that it looks good for the media, so it looks good for grandma and grandpa who are out there saying, oh, look, we have a task force for off robbery. We have a task force for gang. We have a task force for stolen vehicles. And in reality, what they don't understand is that you're stripping away your men and women in uniform who are supposed to be on the streets providing 911 responses to emergency calls and proactive policing, something that we stopped doing a long, long time ago. Yes, I did notice that. And that is uh, something that is of utmost concern to me, especially as a former teacher. I believe, and I wanted to ask you this, that if law enforcement and gun uh, safety was taught in school, it would eliminate a lot of the, quote, accidents that we seem to have, mostly because kids are curious about anything. And if they don't know the right way to use something, they're much more prone to having an accident or to feeling that it's okay to do because nobody's talking about it. So I was thinking that maybe the sheriff's department, and I'm going to be speaking to our sheriff up here, should have gun safety classes where kids would actually be taught how to use a gun the proper way and not be afraid of it or experiment with it. What would you think of a program like that? I absolutely agree. As a matter of fact, one of one of the programs that I have in mind is not so much uh, starting with the children, but starting with the parents and then, and then it can lead from there. So basically what's going on right now, let's just talk about concealed uh, firearms which you don't even have to have anymore, but let's just say, let's, let's stay on that topic for a second. I'd rather you bring you to our range and give you a professional instructor and teach you how to use a firearm, how to take it apart, how to clean it, how to maintain it, how to secure it, uh, at no cost to the citizens, so that I know that when you leave that store with that gun and you go home, you know what to do. You know when to use it, how to use it, um, and, and how to take care of that firearm. And all the possibilities and all the laws that go with the responsibility of owning a firearm. At the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office, we have a very large range, uh, one of the largest ranges in the state of Florida, actually, with a very large uh, training division that has many trainers, firearm instructors, that can assist the public, and yet we're not offering that. So I definitely want to bring that in, and that can lead it to the children. As far as teaching it in the inside the actual school, that's something that has to go through school legislation, the school board. Even as your sheriff, I can't mandate that or support that, but I can certainly stand behind it. Oh, well, that would be wonderful. I think that would be a, a terrific thing for our kids to learn because, as I said, they're more curious than anything, and that's when accidents happen because they don't know what they're doing, and knowing what you're doing about something always leads to a better outcome. The other thing I was um, read in, uh, surprisingly enough, that was going on in California that I thought might be helpful as well, there were several schools where fighting and infighting and drugs and uh, uh, lack of education was happening. And a group of dads got together and they uh, formed a group called Dads on Duty, and they helped patrolling the schools and working with the kids in an after-school program in conjunction with law enforcement. So I thought that would be a really terrific thing to do. And I know that it has to go through a school board, but it certainly would need the support of a sheriff. So what would you think of something like that? Would that be something you'd be able to stand behind as well? Absolutely. And what I was looking at, I was actually looking at a similar program with a little bit of a twist. What about our veterans? Uh, oh, yes. 
Yes. Veterans volunteers, long as vet them carefully and make sure that they're qualified and certified, and get them in that situation. So yes, I am one hundred percent for it. But I'll go even a step further. Uh, Palm Beach has a school board police department, um, which is responsible for security of the schools. The sheriff's department has a minimal uh, impact in that. I want to change that. I want to work together with school board police and make sure that we're one team that we train together, we respond together, and we work together. So what would what would we do to change that? I'll give you an example. Most of the schools have one SRO, school resource officer, right? So why don't we take our officer, our patrol officer, who has the school in their zone area responsibility? They should be going to that school every day on their downtime, be able to walk that school, make contact with the SRO, know the layout of that school so that God forbid if something ever does happen, we know where to respond to, what the layout of the school is, how the doors open, do they open in, do they open out, uh, where is building 900, room 401. 99% of your patrol officers have no clue where that's at. So when that call comes in, we delay time, and when you delay response time, more people die. Oh, I think that would be a wonderful plan as well. And I certainly want to thank you for sharing your information with us. Um, Palm Beach County would be best served if they had you on board as sheriff. So tell everyone where they can find you. So you can go to my website, uh, BS for Sheriff. 2024 uh, is real simple. D-I-A-Z-4-F-O-R, Sheriff 2024. And uh, the entire website is there with my entire platform and how to get a hold of me. Uh, if you'd like to donate, you can donate. Or if you want to volunteer, you can volunteer. If you want to ask questions, you can ask questions. It's all there for you. I think that would be wonderful. And I hope that the groups in Palm Beach County have you come in and talk to them because what's needed are good sheriffs that stand up and work with the people. Remember, folks, the sheriff is an office that is a constitutional office that is elected by we the people. They are there to serve we the people, not they the government. So working with the people, they can only do that if they know what you need. And if you don't talk to them, they're never going to know. Thank you so much, Laro, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you do well. And please come back and let us know how you're doing uh, in your campaign as we progress later on. All right, ma'am. You have a blessed day. Thank you. Well, everyone, we have just heard from Laro Diaz, who's running for sheriff, about how crime is increasing in the state of Florida due to our open borders. So as we are paying attention to what is going on in the Middle East, we cannot take our eye off the ball, as my father would always tell me, as I couldn't hit anything. Karen, pay attention. Keep your eye on the ball. Well, we have to do that in the state of Florida as well. And unfortunately, we're not because our attention is being diverted. We have major issues in our country, and that big issue that hangs over us constantly is the elephant in the room called the illegal immigration. But all of that is not going to make a difference if we don't have secure elections. And as you know, I have been harping for the last several months on Florida Statute 101.5604 and getting our legislators to change the word must in the last sentence to the word may, because otherwise Florida is mandated to use those machines. And we all know that there's a problem with those machines. The problem is that we don't want to face the problem. 
Well, we have to, because the machines will take charge of our election, and that means we, the people, will not have a voice. Recently, I joined a wonderful group called Defend Florida, and you can go to their website, defendflorida.org. They are terrific in finding and pinpointing what is going on in our elections. Everybody thinks Florida elections are secure. Well, I got news for you guys, they're not. And I've invited Todd Buffington and Debbie Ferris to join me in the next segment and talk about what we can do. It's one thing to be able to say there's a problem. It's another thing to be able to say, what can we do about the problem? And it's not just a matter of changing must to may. There are many things that we can do. We can take charge of our elections, and that's what we have to do. So Todd and Debbie, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to ask you, Todd, first. Uh, You are involved in more of the technical part of elections and how they work. So can you share some of that information with our audience? Sure, Karen. Thank you for your time and having us on today. Um, So you're right. Florida has many issues. We are far from the gold standard. We have recently fallen a number of places in the national ranking of secure systems for elections uh, versus other states. And um, one of the things I've been focusing on is the fact that really only our actual EMS or election management system is certified. So they talk about, you know, a great deal about how our election systems are certified. Well, they're certified, first of all, to standards at the most recent are from 2005. Many of the standards are older. And these are computer-based systems. Advancements in technology are made every day. And we are using standards from 2005 to certify our election management systems. So that is ESNS and Dominion. The only other system in our elections that is certified is the clear ballot audit system. So everything else is completely uncertified. There is a company called VR Systems which handles our EVID poll books. So those are electronic, basically iPad, network connected, internet connected iPads that check everyone in at the polling stations. So those access in real time and have full access to our voter roll database. They are supposedly intranet connected, but they have many connections there. Not only that, so they know, first of all, in real time, who has and hasn't voted. They also offer a feature that can print on-demand ballots. They are partners with Runback that prints our ballots. And they also handle our election results reporting. This is a company with 15 employees. I think they're based in Tampa. And they are running all of Florida's elections, as well as six other states. How is a company, first of all, with 15 employees doing that? And why are they not reviewed and and under strict, you know, overview by the state? I don't know if anyone has looked at their systems. But in addition to all of that, they handle election results reporting. 
Our results are uploaded to their system and then they are downloaded to the county. So we don't know what's happening to those results as this company handles them in and out. We really don't. Uh, that is a scary thing right there in itself, um, because when you talk to our elected officials and our SOEs, they will tell us, oh, no, we're not connected to the Internet. Karen, you have nothing to worry about. And how do I know that? Because I was a poll worker. And when I saw this little MiFi box after being told that we are not connected to the Internet, I said, what is this? box and what is it connected to oh you don't have to worry it's not connected to the internet it's uh, connected to the cell towers excuse me <laughs> what's the difference there really exactly. isn't much of a difference in that would you say it is, it is very it, karen it is it is at this point beyond pathetic what's going on you know the fact of the matter is, is the way our elections are run, if this were a financial company, if this was a company that dealt with insurance or sensitive information, they would have been audited and found actually not even lacking a shutdown. And as I like to tell the audience, we have all experienced in one way or another, you know, uh, the threat or the, the issues of identity theft, of hacking of our information. It, it is rampant. Even the Pentagon has been hacked. So what makes us think that these election systems that have not been audited for years, where technology has just crescended in the last couple of, not even decades, last two, three, five years, that we have secure elections? There is, there is nothing to indicate that, those election, that our elections are secure. And that's what Todd has been, uh, and a, a team of citizens from I'm not only going to say Defend Florida. Defend Florida is a movement. So we have um, uh, volunteers. We're all volunteers. We don't raise money. We don't. We all fund our way through this. That are from very different organizations: Citizens Defending Freedom, Republican Liberty Caucus, etc. But we're all working for the same common goal, which is to secure our elections. So thank you so much for having us on your show. Well, Debbie, um, I have a question for you because I see from your bio that you were born in Panama, you grew up in Venezuela, you were educated in Mexico. And I uh, believe that by not paying attention, we are going to be suffering the same fate of those countries and their improper elections because it's not just the machines that are at fault. I mean, there are so many other issues that that uh, we have uh, just a simple one of dead people voting. Uh, don't tell me that doesn't happen in Florida because I'm sure that it does. So uh, all of the issues all put together create a mess, which is what we have right now of our election system. So the most important thing we know we have a problem is going to be, what are we going to do about it? Debbie, well, what do we do about it? Yeah, let, let's bring that a, a little bit backwards. Um, you know, I've been I involved in this since uh, November 4th of 2020, because when you come from, I love my countries. I love, I was born in Panama and I grew up in Venezuela and I was educated in Mexico. I love Latin America, but the truth of the matter is, 
you know, the notion that the government is going to steal an election is not something that we 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 find surprising. Um, I think Americans have been blessed with a system that for the most has worked. And um, they, the, this country, and I'm a naturalized American citizen, um, so I, I enjoy the benefits of this country, but I am very cognizant that these elections can and have been stolen um, because we've seen it. I've seen it in my, in my countries. Um, so back to the question, what can we do about this? You know, as a naturalized um, citizen, I went through a process to become a U.S. citizen. I had to study the Constitution. It took years, you know, from having a green card. Well, first I started out as a student. Then eventually I got a green card to be able to work. I was already a taxpayer. And through this process, I eventually became a U.S. citizen. So by then I had both a background, um, you know, education. Um, I had knowledge. I was a taxpayer. And, um, and I cherish that um, citizenship not so much what's happening happening today as we all know our border we we do not have a border it is an open door where um all of these people that are fleeing different um countries are given gifts to come in funding to come in um their process they do not have the time to understand what is wonderful about this country and the constitution and so in the haste of getting them processed it is very easy to have boxes checked that you know would have them possibly there there are open um possibilities for them to become voters and think about this a lot of these people that are coming in first of all are not english speaking and secondly, are maybe illiterate themselves. So nothing is to stop them, even if they, they, they it's, it's not their intention, to checking in boxes that say, that make them uh, processed for voting. And that's one of the big concerns that we have here um, with our movement with, in Defend Florida, where we've identified the ways where ineligible um, non-citizens can register to vote. And um, because there is right now, we do not have any uh, proper documentation right now. Uh, the fact that uh, a, a newly um, uh, illegal alien now legal because they have a, not even legal, but they, they, they are given driver's license and social security cards. But those two forms do not indicate that they are U.S. citizens. So, so what what you're saying is that there is really very little to find out whether or not these people who may or may not be citizens are being allowed to vote. Is that what what you're saying well, that uh, there's no real checks and balances on citizenship from what I'm understanding? That's exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying right now if um a super in, in the counties, the supervisors of elections are the ones that are supposed to, that are registering, you know, that's where the registration to vote comes in. But they do not have the tools to check for citizenship. What they are, they are relying on is a little box where someone checks, yes, I am a U.S. citizen, I'm eligible to vote. So they're relying on the honesty uh, of the person that's registering. That's now, very frightening. A few statistics around that. A one million driver's license, well, over one million driver's licenses and state IDs were issued to non-citizens in Florida between 
2020 and the first half of this year. So in, in Cordbird, we had a, a tour actually of our local SOE's office. And uh, she said that when we asked her if they were checking citizenship, she said, no, uh, the state does it. Well, there's an interview of Cord Bird speaking to the House of Representatives where he says that, well, not really. It's, it's difficult to do and uh, it's not required by law. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that is frightening into itself. And I'm going to ask you both to hang tight. We're going to take a brief intermission here and then we'll be right back, folks. You are listening to Karen Schoen. This is the prism of America's education. And boy, are we getting an education today. Brought to you by my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance, who is also involved in finding and making sure that our elections are secure. Don't go away, folks. We will be right back. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back, 
everyone. This is Karen Schoen, and you're listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Folks, get your kids out of those public indoctrination clinics masquerading as public schools. Your children are learning nothing except how to hate you and how to hate America. And we have seen this as evidenced by what has been going on in the last couple of weeks, and it will continue unless we put a stop to it. So how do we put a stop to it? Well, one of the ways that we have learned about and talked about in the uh, segment before is that we have to make sure that our elections are secure, because if they are not secure, then we have a big problem. And so far right now, unbeknownst to us, we have a big problem in Florida. Debbie and Todd have agreed to stick with me for the next segment. They are from Defend Florida and Debbie and Todd have agreed to stay with me, and we are going to discuss further into what we can do about our secure elections, quote, in Florida, which we have just learned are not too secure. Citizenship box is the only check that you have as whether or not the person that's voting is a citizen. How is that possible? And of course, our machines are connected to the internet, which makes them hackable. But there's a lot more to that than just those two items. So Debbie, Todd, thank you so much for sticking with me. And Todd, you mentioned that you had a letter from an SOE. What was that all about? Yeah, picking up on that last point you just made, Karen. Um, so anyone who doubts whether our we have modems uh, in our tabulators. So those are the machines that actually you scan your ballot through after you vote. The tabulators, that's in our county, they're ESNS. There are also Dominion tabulators. Those contain modems. And if you have any doubt about that, you can go and look up on the Secretary of State or Department of State's website and look up the certifications. The second to last certification for ESNS was an update because they upgraded the modem in the DS200 tabulators. So right there, confirmation, if anyone still doubted it, that we have modems in our system, not to mention the internet connections I talked about earlier uh, for VR systems. Um, they may say intranet, but let me, so I, ha I have, person within Defend Florida found this letter and, and shared it with us. This is from Ian Sancho. He was a long-serving SOE from Leon County. And in October of 2020, before the big election, he wrote a letter to all SOEs. And it was a warning about the cybersecurity issues surrounding our election systems. Uh, if you want, I can read a few highlights. Oh, that would be terrific, right from straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. Yes. So he addressed this to dear colleagues, and he was talking about um, compelling, compelled to warn you of a danger that I don't believe has been fully explained to you by the Division of Elections. Specifically, the wireless modems that some of you are planning to use transmit election results and utilize Verizon Sprint or other 4G technology. These modems are as hackable as any cell phone. Encryption of the USB flash drives and a digital signature offer limited or no protection against a nation state cyber attack. 
Well, that sort of puts a big kibosh in what they have been telling us, doesn't it? It certainly does. And this is, you know, coming from one of their own who was on the inside and knew full well what he was talking about. Um, you know, I could go on if you'd like to spend more time on this. Uh, we have a few minutes, but I would also like to talk to Debbie and find out what on earth can we do about this? Because we are being lied to over and over again as they tell us constantly how secure Florida elections are. Well, Karen, the issue here is is that election security is, is, a, is a death by a thousand cuts. There are old ways that have been used to cheat. There are fairly recent ones, and then there are the big cyber threats. So all in all, um, it is a big mishmash of, of ways to uh, commit fraud or malfeasance. Um, but first and foremost, we do have to address the fact that the processes and the procedures for elections need to be um, need to be held accountable. It is a very complex matter because each county is doing their elections their own way, sort of, and so it is hard to keep to keep um, to have your supervisors of election of elections to keep them accountable, and so that's why Defend Florida chose to go down the election statutes. Um, path, because at least that gives a legal um, covering of if the supervisor of election is not doing their job properly, they are breaking the law. It's not a matter of opinion, it's a matter of breaking the law. So that's why we are advocating for um, measures that will change Florida statutes. Because then, once you have the law on your side, then you can address is the supervisor of election doing their job or not? That's why when um, speaking to your audience, we have taken a look at the 1,000 cuts and we're looking at where is where are we bleeding out? And in the fact of war we're bleeding out, we are focusing on six or seven areas that are we're calling must-haves, imperatives. And I think that's where Todd and I would like to go through with your um, audience. I think that would be terrific. Yes, please do. Okay. So we've covered the first one. Number one, citizenship must be verified for all registered voters. Let me leave this with your audience. A real ID that your driver's license with a little white star and your social security card is not a proof of U.S. citizenship. It's just an ID. Citizenship can only be verified by your birth certificate, passport, certificate of naturalization, birth abroad, certificate of birth abroad. And we need to compel the SOEs to request those documents or for them to have the proper um, means to verify citizenship. And there are means, but there, right now this is not a mandate. So that's number one. Number two, voter rolls. What are the voter rolls? This is where uh, we're registered to vote and we must make them accurate and they need to be purged and they need to be cleaned out. We need, we, um, as of December, 2022, Florida had over 500 voters with undeliverable addresses. This could change an election. And right now, this is 2022 without even the problems that we've talked about 
uh, illegal citizens. So again, the, the mandate is voter registration rolls must be accurate. Todd, you wanna to cover the next ones? Sure. Um, number three on our list is that all election systems, not just the vote tabulation system, must be thoroughly reviewed and certified by independent third party experts. So this goes back to what I was saying about VR systems, an uncertified, as far as we know, unchecked system that has full access to our voter rolls, um, updates those on a continuous basis, knows exactly who has and hasn't voted, has access and a, the ability to print ballots on demand and it reports our election results. So how is this <laughs> any kind of adequate check and balance in our system when one company, mind you, they told someone I've worked with on election security personally, a member of their team, that they have 15 employees. So following that is that audits should occur before elections are certified. Believe it or not, currently in Florida, the audits occur after certification. How is that possible? What are Good they question. certifying afterwards? Well, it's too late. Exactly. And, you know, there's really, again, no true checks and balance there because these are first party audits. They're not independent audits by an objective third party. So, you know, that's another ridiculous aspect of our audits. They're also not comprehensive, they're very small and focused, and there is a law within HAVA that says there can be no more than one in 125,000 ballots in error. There is no way that we are adequately checking our results and our systems to ensure that. So what um, you are saying is that the company is auditing itself? Correct. Would you let your bank do that? Your <laughs> that sounds advisor? wonderful. I mean, you know, your accountant. Uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So uh, that is something else that we are asking for. One thing that we would like that would solve a lot of issues is actually doing a random in precinct on election night of, of, of one randomly chosen race. That would occur before there are chain of custody issues. You would know exactly, you would have the paper ballots to quickly count through, and it, it would be a great solution. Absolutely. I, that, that should be a demand. So what do you recommend that we, the people, do? Because we all have been saying over and over again that elections, that elections obviously have consequences, but all politics start local. So what do you think? we the people can do, Debbie? So, so this is where, you know, we the people have to assume our civic duty and get involved in affairs of governance. If not, we're going to have what we have now. And so what we have done at Defend Florida, each one of us has already done this and, you know, met with our local representatives. And based on our experience doing this, we have developed you know, something to bring everybody on board this learning curve. You know, it sounds like a lot, but you don't have to do all this research. You don't have to find out what statutes need to be affected. We have all um, 
put this together in summary documents that all you need to do, the listener, is make an appointment with your local representative, your House congressmen and senators, and deliver these documents. You don't even have to say a word. You just have to say, you know what? I care about transparency, eligibility, and control in our elections. And this is what needs to get done. And that's it. And where would they where would they find these documents? They would find all of this on Defend Florida's website. Go to defendflorida.org. And um, you can find everything that we've been talking to. There will be tabs, a must-have document, um, and that would you download, you know, two pieces of paper which you print, and you can give them to your legislators. Um, if you want some talking points, look for the tech flyer, and that gives you a short synopsis of why you're there, and um, and that's really it. We have some videos to coach you on how to, you know, get, make an appointment, get started. We ask everybody to be professional that in their dress and their demeanor. You know, this is a business transaction. They are public servants. Elected, but they are public servants. They're here to do the job that we tell them to do. And how would they know what to do if we don't inform them? And that's our duty. Our duty is to go and tell them, hey, this is what we need. We need elections that are secure. This matters to me. You know, Karen, I want to leave this um, impression with your audience. In terms of calling, one phone call to them is equivalent to a hundred, um, to the opinion of a hundred of the silent majority. One phone call. Oh, that is. That's fantastic, and that is what we need to do, folks. And again, if you are leery about talking to your elected official, of which you should not be, they are equal to you. They are the same as you. They're people, and you don't have any reason to be fearful of anything. But if you are in the beginning, call them at night. Leave a message on their answering machine. It serves the same purpose. You don't have to talk to them if you don't want to. I wanted to ask you, uh, how important do you think it would be for people to either volunteer as poll watchers or poll workers? Do you think that would have any impact? Absolutely. Well, you know, before we go on to that, let me leave, let me make it easy for your audience. If you text the number to your little number box in your phone, the number nine. 1776 and in the message bar you put the word speak you will get a script you will actually I have made it so easy you get the phone number and you get the script of what you need to tell your legislator right now we have an effort going on to support Jim Jordan for speaker and um, we're targeting representative John Rutherford he's a Floridian who's holding out and we also need people to call Mario Diaz-Balart and a few others. So that's an effort that is ongoing right now. And I can tell you it works because we did this with um, Congressman Rogers in Alabama. And he's just issued a statement that he is supporting Jim Jordan. So, folks, your call matters. And to remind you, it's 9-1776 and you text the word speak. Um, so back to your second question. How important is it for people to get involved in being a poll watcher or a poll worker? 
incredibly important. This is, as, as we said, Karen, the death of a thousand cuts and more eyes on the process makes it more difficult to cheat. That's as simple as that. Well, that is very important because uh, cheating is obviously definitely going on. Um, I also noticed that uh, the, the GOP is now advocating early voting. Why would that be important? Well, I think it's most important just that you vote. And I would encourage people not to vote by mail. There are a lot of issues around vote by mail. That's one of our top asks is to limit it. Um, for instance, in, uh, t after 2020, Defend Florida did canvassing and found that 20%, so they looked at 10,000 registered voters, 3,800 of those voted by mail, and 20% of those were phantom voters. So we have a real issue with vote by mail. I would encourage people to vote in person if you have to vote early, that's fine. There are a few reasons why I prefer that you vote on election day, but as we saw in Arizona, they could create issues and make it difficult to vote on election day. So that, that, a moving target. Yes, you know, again, I, I, I feel the same as, as Todd. Republicans, we want to vote on the day of. It occurs to me that the reason the GOP is promoting early voting is that, number one, you don't give them an idea of how many people are going to turn out on voting day. Since historically, Republicans turn out on voting day, if you start voting earlier, then it's it's confusing to see how many votes need to be, um, you know, done to change an election, yeah, mathematically. And the other thing that occurs to me is that there have been shenanigans going on where um, they're changing addresses, and we could go into a whole rabbit hole about this, so I suppose that's partially why they want or they're encouraging early voting. At the end of the day, you know, get out and vote. I think is the important thing, the message. Just vote. Yes, and uh, find a friend that hasn't voted in a while and take that person with you and make sure they vote as well. Um, I believe that in Florida, we have what we call closed primaries. So if you are a registered um, independent or not a registered Democrat or Republican, you would not be able to vote for your favored candidate in the primary election. So I think it is in, I will check, but I believe it is in February that you have to change and register for either the Democrat or the Republican Party, should you so choose. Um, but the NPAs and the independents are being forced into making a party choice, which is another issue and uh, deserves another discussion because I don't think that is quite right either. Uh, let us remember that both the Republican Party and the Democrat Party are private corporations and private corporations are now dictating our elections and that should not be either. But again, that's going to take another set of legislation. This is also an important issue, Debbie. Yes, I really want to highlight what you just talked about, the primaries. You know, that is where we are actually losing. What is happening is 
we are continuing to re-vote the establishment because there are no options. And those options get knocked out in the primary season. You know, there's, there's story after story of great people that have stepped up to the challenge of becoming candidates. And then the GOP actually actively comes against them and kicks them out in primary season. And then we're left with whatever we have to vote for. And so that's why it's, as you mentioned, it is so important for people to get involved early on and choose the right candidates in the primary so that the right people, America first, um, people that really want what this country, what we all want for this country, can be elected. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're recycling the same uh, old establishment that has not served us at all. Very good point, Debbie. And also, with regards to party affiliation, um, we met with a representative, uh, state representative last week, who had identified a glitch, a supposed glitch, in the DMV system that was, on occasion, flipping people to NPAs. And so it's important to check your party affiliation in the voter registration roll prior to... Now, can this be done online or do they have to go to the SOE's office? They can check it online. Okay, so you go online, go to the SOE website, check your party affiliation and make sure that by February you have selected whichever party it is that you choose so that you can vote for the candidate of your choice. And one of the things that I always do is I go and I look and see who are the donors of those candidates. And if I don't like the donors, then chances are I'm not going to like what the candidate is standing for because for for the most part, they are dictated to by their donors. And how do I know that? Because I ran for office and my opponent uh, went down to, I live in the panhandle, he went down to Miami and came back with $400,000 to win a state representative seat that was worth $35,000. So think about that, folks, because money is a big play into what we're doing. Wouldn't you? Well, and one, one more point about party affiliation. If you're on the fence but are leaning Republican, it's important to go ahead and register Republican, something that uh, someone on our team found when they looked at the results of the election. Um, likely NPA voters went from voting... 70, 80 percent for Trump um, on election day and early voting to voting uh, around 80 percent for Biden on mail in. So we think that they could have manipulated those votes and switched them from one candidate to the other, potentially. But if there is malfeasance, those NPAs are kind of, you know, open, an open target or election, you know, manipulation or fraud. Yes, it is very important. This election, folks, 
is going to be probably one of the most important elections that we will ever have in this country because we will either be picking the people who want America's downfall or we will be picking the people who want America first. And uh, if you are an America first person, it is your job to go and talk to your friends and neighbors. Here are two very important websites. The the first one is called Politics That Work. And on that website, you, you can find your legislator and you can see how they vote. Their voting records would be there. If you are interested in their donors and where their money is coming from, then go to opensecrets.org. Again, that is opensecrets.org. It is our job to talk to Republicans that are Republicans but don't vote. Folks, we need everyone to vote. So, uh, Debbie and Todd, uh, Todd, where can everyone find you? Should they have any questions? Uh, my email is tbuffington1 at protonmail.com. Okay. And Debbie, you write a wonderful substack. So would you tell everyone where they can find you with questions? Yes. So um, I love the comments and the engagement that I have with my readers. My substack is called prayingmantis.substack.com. And I cover topics, obviously, the election security or lack of it. And then anything else that is um, the bioweapon and a few other things. So again, prayingmantis.substack.com. And of course, the main website is Defend Florida. And folks, even if you're not a Floridian, you can still join Defend Florida and then take some of the information that you get and apply it in your state. Thank you all, folks, for joining me, and I will see you again next week. Have a wonderful week, and remember your homework. Learn about the elections. Learn who your candidates are. And by all means, make sure you ask them the tough questions. What are they going to do about the border? What are they going to do about election security? Those are the two prime that I am interested in. Hope you are, too. See you again next week.